Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of August 28, 2022. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind, KCB's chapter in the Bowling Green area, invites everyone to its virtual social hour each Wednesday afternoon from 2 to 3 p.m. Central, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Sometimes there's a speaker, there's always good conversation, and sharing of tips and ideas. Join them on Zoom by dialing 669-900-6833 and entering the code 763-689-4411. The ACB Board of Directors will meet on Wednesday, August 31, from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time on ACB Media Channel 6. Listen on your Alexa device, your Victor Reader Stream, or on your telephone by dialing 518-906-1820. The American Council of Blind Lions, ACBL, meets the first Thursday of each month on Zoom. This is an opportunity for blind and visually impaired lions across the country to share how they participate in their local clubs and for people interested in becoming lions to learn more about the organization. The next ACBL meeting is on Thursday, September 1 at 8.30 p.m. Dial 669-900-6833 and enter the code 842-3825-0700. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind invites everyone to our end-of-summer Labor Day weekend picnic at our roundabout on Saturday, September 3. Doors open for the in-person event at 1 p.m. Eastern Time at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. The virtual party begins at 2 p.m. on the KCB Zoom line. Games, friends, and fun for everyone. Picnic food at 4 at UCHM. Dinner costs $6 per person. If you will be with us for dinner, give us a call at 502-895-4598 to sign up. Also, if you need any tech help with apps on your iPhone, be sure to request those as well when you call. The KCB Zoom line is 669-900-6833. And the code is 862-9889-6972. ACB Families will hold its next business meeting on Sunday, September 4 at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is an open meeting and all are welcome. Join the call by dialing the number for the KCB Zoom line. KCB Next Generation will hold its next business meeting on Thursday, September 8 at 8 p.m. also on the KCB Zoom line. Sarah Bevan has been a speaker at Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana events several times over the years. Her presentations are always informative and cover a wide range of topics about dogs and the care of dogs. Sarah presented a program on the care of older dogs at the August 22 GDUKI meeting. We bring you her presentation on page 2 and we invite you to attend future GDUKI meetings on the fourth Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern on the KCB Zoom line. You don't have to live in Kentucky to participate in this call. Tri-State Library users holds page turners on the fourth Saturday of each month at the GLCB Roundabout. 
The August Page Turners was well attended, with about 20 people sharing a wide variety of books by many different authors. We had a few minutes at the end of the roundabout, so we enjoyed some interesting facts about famous authors from the website booksonthewall.com. Check out page 3 to hear more facts about famous authors. Listen to Soundprints each week on ACB Media 1, the mainstream channel. Our broadcast times are Sunday at 8 p.m., Monday at 8 a.m., Tuesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., Wednesday at 4 a.m. and 4 p.m., Thursday at 10 p.m., and Friday at 1 a.m., 10 a.m., and 1 p.m. Listen on your Victor Stream, on your Alexa device, or on the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. For more information about Soundprints and to request a free subscription on CD, playable on any standard CD player, call KCB at 502-895-4598. Page 2. I'm going to attempt to mute everyone uh, and then I will unmute you, Sarah, and myself. Before I do that, I will introduce a little bit, and Deb Lewis, you please chime in. You are also a good friend of Sarah's. Uh, Sarah Bevan has credentials in so many areas related to dogs. Uh, she has done presentations for us every summer for, gosh, more more years than I have fingers anyway. Um, and has, yeah, uh, she has always given us some wonderful information. Deb, is there anything you'd like to add before we start? No, we're just really happy that Sarah's here tonight, and we know everybody's going to leave having learned something. And with no further ado, please let's all welcome Sarah Bevan. Thank you all very much. I always enjoy our, the time we spend together. Um, Deb had asked me to talk tonight about aging dogs, and uh, just just like humans, dogs go through different stages in their lives, and um, just like humans, they become seniors. So dogs of different sizes become seniors at different ages. Smaller dogs, like at less than 20 pounds, are considered seniors at nine years. The 21 to 50-pound dog is a senior at eight years of age. 51 pounds to 90 pounds reaches uh, seniorhood at 7 pounds, and dogs over 90 pounds become seniors at 6 years. Smaller dogs have longer lives. And um, senior, in, a, in this sense of a word for a dog, is when they begin to show signs of normal aging. And any dog who lives beyond their expected Lifetime is considered a geriatric dog, but we're just going to talk about when senior life begins and uh, how we want to accommodate it. Now, one of the most beneficial things you can do for your dog at, at any stage, when you all first become acquainted and all through your dog's life, is to do a weekly or at least monthly head-to-tail wellness check. That gives you the opportunity to be very familiar with your dog's body 
and you can pick up on any changes that might occur. And when you can address those things when they're little problems, it's a whole lot easier to keep them from becoming big problems and keep your dog healthy. We want to spend a special time each week, about 20 to 30 minutes of quiet one-on-one time. Find a special place, and we're just going to quickly go over what you want to do. Starting at the head, check the ears. Give them a sniff. They should smell good. If they have a foul odor or if you notice that your dog does a lot of ear scratching or head shaking, those are signs of problems. Moving to the nose, it should feel moist but not drippy. It should not be dry or cracked. It should kind of feel like a basketball. We're going to move to the mouth, and when you sniff the mouth, there should be no bad odor or what we call doggy breath. And run your finger across the gums. They should be moist but not uh, real dry or tacky. The skin and coat, you're just going to run your hands over the dog's whole body, feeling for lumps and bumps, areas of hair loss, maybe um, hot spots, especially here in the summertime. And um, then we're going to go to the legs and paws. Walking with your dog, the dog's gait should be smooth and even. You won't want to feel any limping or unsteadiness. And if you gently take each leg through a gentle range of motion, it should be free and um, the dog shouldn't have any pain or whining when you do that. Feel the pads. They should be smooth, no, not dry or cracked, and you don't want to feel any broken toenails. Now you want to feel the chest and abdomen, and this is on the underside of the dog. Just run your hand gently over the area, feeling again for lumps and bumps, and when you get to the end of the rib page, it should be lower than the dog's waist. Once you pass the rib cage, the abdomen should pull up a little bit. Checking the heart, you want to have a steady rhythm. The best way to check your dog's heart rate is to take either hind leg and find the knee. Then with your fingers, not your thumb, reach all the way in to where the leg touches the body. And the femoral artery will be located there. And for dogs of medium to large size, you want to count 60 to 160 beats per minute is normal for a resting dog. If your dog is um, a smaller dog, 90 to 220 beats per minute at rest is normal. Place your hands on your dog's ribs so that you can feel... Breathing, you will feel the chest rise and fall. Medium and large dogs should breathe 10 to 30 breaths per minute, and smaller dogs should breathe 20 to 40 breaths per minute. You also want to hear nice, smooth breathing with the air going in and out. If it seems labored, raspy, congested, um, or, or kind of um, wheezy, 
those are things that you would uh, want to be concerned about. Don't forget the tail. Feel for lumps, bumps, and areas of hair loss. And now here's something that only you will be able to tell. And you need to kind of keep this information in your head so that you can share it with your vet. Um, your dog should have a good energy level and a good appetite. Drink water but not excessively and have good bathroom habits. Any change in those parts of your dog's life and activity can be a sign of, of an early problem. And vets have a special name for that. They call it ADR. And that means they ain't doing right. And that is a legitimate veterinary diagnosis. So when you notice your dog might have something that ain't doing right, you would want to bring that to your vet's attention so that they could do a little bit more um, comprehensive evaluation than you're able to do. That brings us to one of the questions that Deb had given me about the necessity of senior dogs seeing a vet twice a year. And as dogs reach their senior years, I feel it is absolutely necessary for a semi-annual visit with your dog's second best friend, who would be the vet. Um, again, catching problems when they're small means a whole lot. And one of the things that most vets will just do annually, some do it semi-annually if they notice a problem, but a good senior blood panel, which in includes a um, complete blood count, like all the white blood cells, red blood cells, uh, platelets and um, isinophils, all those things that are necessary. Also included in a senior blood panel is a blood canistry, which is used to check organ function, um, a urinalysis, a fecal exam, and a heartworm exam are also included. Also included in an annual would be a very comprehensive physical exam where the vet checks their eyes, and a normal part of aging, they get a bluish color that um, doesn't really affect their vision, but also cloudiness comes from cataracts, and my little Shih Tzu was just diagnosed uh, in June with bilateral glaucoma, so to check the pressure of the, um, the, it, the fluid in the eye is important, too. Uh, that would check their ears. Um, and a, a good mouth check to, for teeth and gums, any kind of tartar or plaque on the teeth, fractures, and um, gum irritation, all those things are important. Um, and then it would give a full body exam for the muscles and the joints and uh, the abdomen, feeling for any kind of lumps, bumps, tender areas. And depending on what the vet feels at that stage, they may go on and um, order some x-rays or an MRI. All, the vet will also talk to you about things like the dog's habits, any change in their habits, their behavior, lifestyle, and their mental status. And those are things that only you can get the information on because it's not going to be there. So all of our dogs, since, since we do 
uh, rescue and adopt seniors, we do semi-annuals on everybody. And it's, um, you know, it might seem excessive, but I will say even the, our dogs that have problems, and we have several who have some bad heart defects and valve problems, but with those um, echocardiograms every year, keeping them on their meds and doing the semi-annual blood panels, we have never, ever, out of oh, probably eight dogs with heart problems, have anybody go into congestive heart failure. And my 18-year-old Chihuahua right now has four leaky heart valves, and he's doing just fine. So I don't think we can underestimate how important that is. Um, now, another thing I wanted to talk about is uh, bedtime. As dogs age, sometimes, you know, they get a little arthritis in their joints, and um, it doesn't bother them a whole lot, but, you know, how a good comfy bed mattress can help with a good sleep. So you want the bed to be located in a draft-free area with um, not too much hot, not too much cold. The bed should not be too hard or too soft. Good materials for beds are an egg crate, memory foam, or any material that or bed that would be labeled orthopedic. The bed should be large enough to fully support your dog's body so that not any part of his legs or his head or neck are going to be hanging off. His full body is supported. Um, and next, have some questions about nutrition. And this is something that I feel is really, really important for our pets. Um, first off, water. You know, hydration is very important. It keeps all the body's functions running. So the recommended water intake for dogs is one-eighth cup of water per pound of body weight per day. Now, when the weather is warm like this, it should um, maybe, they might take a little bit more than that. But the one-eighth cup per pound of body weight is a, a good rule of thumb. Now, I use filtered water, and I know folks who use spring water. Here in Louisville, our water has just lots and lots of minerals in it, and I would like to get those out before it gets to my dog, and, and us do. But uh, plain tap water in some areas can be a good option. But um, you just you don't want to have your dog um, having less than the good, good intake to keep all body systems running. Now, a problem that seniors have is they tend to decrease their water intake and they can um, easily become dehydrated. The best way to check that is to take hold of the skin on the back of the neck and lift it up. First, when you lift it up, it kind of feels soft and doughy. And lift it up to make a tent and then release it, and it should immediately fall back into place. If it doesn't immediately fall back or if it has a real kind of thin feel to it instead of that doughy, then they probably need to increase their water intake. Uh, another way to check it is to rub your finger across the gums. If they feel um, 
tacky or sticky, then they're not getting enough water. Um, if you do notice that your dog is drinking more water than usual and this time of year, that would be normal. But if it seems excessive and then they have a lot of uh, trips outside to urinate, that could be an early sign of diabetes, Cushing's disease, or a thyroid condition. And that should be reported to your vet so they could do more um, comprehensive testing. Now, as far as diet goes, do we need to change our dog to a senior diet? I think that diets are made for different life stages for a reason. We have puppy food and we have healthy adults and we have senior food. Um, most, of, just a regular, normal senior diet has less calories and less fat than an adult diet. And that's a good uh, choice for most seniors. Um, now, sometimes when they have other problems like diabetes or, you know, one of the problems that we deal with is our little 18-year-old chihuahua takes a lot of heart meds, which can cause a lot of extra work on the kidneys. So he is on a kidney support diet that is decreased in protein because protein... Um, puts a lot of strain on the kidneys. So based on your dog's general health and anything that the vet tells you, you may be uh, recommended to give your dog a prescription diet. But if your dog is just healthy and normal, I think um, a good senior diet is with kibble and then maybe mixed with a little bit of canned senior food. It helps to add moisture to the food since they um, do tend to decrease on their drinking. Uh, other ways that you could increase the moisture of their food is to um, put a little bit of bone broth on there, lots of vitamins in bone broth, and... Um, Fermented goat's milk is another We use both of those, and the dogs love them, and they have a lot of good health things to it. Yes, if you are having specific prescription diets, a lot of those aren't very tasty, and it helps to increase your dog's uh, willingness to eat if you do put something either very smelly on it or uh, something yummy. Now, uh, warming the food up a little bit helps to make it smell more. And um, but the, the bone broth has an odor to it. Another thing that I like to do is to supplement um, good vegetables and fruits. Um, we use raw carrots and raw blueberries. And dehydrated apples. Um, now the foods can be some are better given raw. Uh, if your dog has some dental problems, then maybe that's not the best option. The foods can be um, steamed and mashed. Things that are good for dogs would be apples, blueberries, carrots, zucchini, um, cold water fish. Things like salmon and tuna. Uh, very good source of omega-3s. Green vegetables um, and non-fat yogurt. 
white meat chicken and uh, popcorn without any salt or butter. Now, sometimes when I have had, um, I've not really stocked up on the things that I usually use, I keep some baby food for emergencies. Because the labels of baby food, it's just like carrots or strained carrots. That's all that's in there. Or um, the sweet potatoes would just be sweet potatoes. So a little spoonful of that on um, their food can help to make it more palatable for them, too. Anytime that you do want to use some kind of an additive for your pet's food, uh, it's a good idea to check with the vet, especially if your pet is on a prescription diet. Like I said with the um, my chihuahua that is on a kidney support, we use reduced. You know, he gets he doesn't get as much meat as he does fruits and vegetables and the broth. So uh, you can make it, uh, accommodations to the diet that way. Um, Things that you may want to discuss with your vet as um, any kind of disease process that would cause special diets uh, about the correct number of calories for your dog if you need to lose weight or uh, gain weight, and texture. Dental problems can cause um, some foods to be very painful for our dogs to eat. So that's another thing, and you could get some advice from your vet on that. Um, another thing to do with a senior dog, instead of giving them like a meal once a day, give them two smaller meals twice a day. And a lot of them will go for the smaller meal. They get full faster, and they can get the amount of nutrition that they need with two smaller meals. meals. Um, and go easy on treats. You know, the fruits and vegetables or even pieces of kibble make good treats. You don't want to give them too many things to be dealing with. Question about vitamins and supplements. Most of these can be very beneficial, but again, you need to check with your vet. Now, um, aging joints can benefit from glucosamine, chondroitin, and MSM. And the omega-3 fatty acids are good for a skin coat and brain functions. Now, those come from oily cold water fish, and um, those are over-the-counter supplements. There's a lot of other things that people use for supplements. Sometimes um, turmeric can help with circulation, but those are things that you really want to discuss with your vet before you get into too many because it might um, be something that would be contraindicated for your vet. The, most of them are good with the uh, glucosamine, chondroitin, and omega-3s, but beyond that, you want to check to make sure it is appropriate for your dog's diet. And finally, um, we wanted to talk just a little bit about when it's time to say goodbye. That is, um, and this is always really hard for me. I apologize. Um, I have a hard time getting through this. <laughs> but uh, once you get a dog, there's going to be one thing for sure, that one day you all will have to part ways. Um, as your dogs age, and it's normal as they approach their senior years to have changes in their activity 
their sleeping and eating habits the way they play. Aging is not a disease. It's a natural process. So you would expect some of these things. As long as your dog enjoys playing, enjoys his favorite toys, has a good appetite, likes a little bit of exercise, it's important to provide all these activities for your dog. Uh, another thing that can be really enjoyable for both of you is a massage. Just gently get, uh, work around all their muscles and joints, and it can work, you can work that into your head-to-tail wellness check. Um, when dogs are very, very old or they might have a sudden illness or an accident, um, like sudden illness might be like a, a ruptured blood vessel, uh, or they have a disease process, diabetes, cancer. Um, there's other things to consider. Uh, just normal aging you just kind of change the way that you interact with your dog and, and just keep a close tab on them. When you notice that they're, they're changing, dogs live in the here and now. And as long as they're happy and they enjoy their days, even with minor changes, that's okay. When you notice their quality of life is not good, you can um, notice subtle signs or they can be more dramatic. Um, maybe they're eating less and sleeping more. Maybe they don't like to be touched. Um, with a disease process, your vet would have to give you some advice on what to look for and how to handle that. Um, but just with normal aging, um, you, you would know just how you feel with normal aging. Your dog will feel a lot of the same ways. And respond to them. And when it reaches a time when you feel like the overall quality of life is not as good as it was, um, he doesn't enjoy companionship, he doesn't play with toys anymore, he doesn't want to be touched, not so much interested in food, then it might be time to consider um, making that hard decision. And, you know, get input from all the family members and how they feel and, um, a lot of vets will come to your house, and um, you can plan a, uh, some kind of a memorial. Whatever works for you, we all mourn differently, and there's nothing wrong with the way that any of us mourn. Your dog's been your friend for a long time and your companion, and you want to think about it in a special way. Now, I have a book to recommend for you both. Uh, it's called The Autumn Winter of the Pet. Make those senior years golden. And it is written by Denise Fleck, F-L-E-C-K. It is very comprehensive. She considers cats and dogs. And it's, it's comprehensive book of what to look for and how to react. So I think I'm under my time limit. Are there any questions? Yeah, let's open this up for a couple of questions. Uh, before we do, Deb Lewis, did you say you located that book, I believe? Um, I didn't, but Deanna had. Deanna has. Okay. Do you recall where she on, found it? Uh, found it for Kindle, I think. 
Yes. Okay. Uh, it was a good that's right. It was a big And so. Okay. Very knowledgeable and she's a good author, very easy to read and understand. Okay. Let's we're gonna be able to take about three questions. If okay. you if y'all would raise your hands and um on the phone that's star nine if you did the dial in. Um if you're on the phone and you used the Zoom link, there's a, I believe the raise hand is in the middle of the screen, and on the computer, it is Alt-Y on the PC. And if somebody doesn't know how, then just speak up. This is Kathy Sidney. Yes. And um, my husband, Fred, and I have, have had three very old dogs. And this isn't really a question, but I'm just curious to know what you think, Sarah, um, one of the things we did for those older dogs who still, you know, seem to want to be with us uh-huh. is we would put like some, our floors, some of our, you know, there's some hardware, hardwood floors and we would put little like carpeted pads or things down for the dogs if they were having trouble with their legs to be able to, you know, make paths through the house to get to where they want to get. Well, and, and you know, they make, um, and I, I see these on the Internet all the time. I, they're not hard to come by. They make little socks that have um, a non-skid bottom that goes over their paw. Right. So you can, you know, that frees them up anywhere. Um and yeah, a lot of times, and I think keeping their nails trimmed. If their nails get too long, that makes it hard for them to walk too. Um, and if I add one thing, it's kind of not a, according with this uh, question, but you know, we have had twenty-four dogs. We have five now um, with special needs. They a lot of them get they get very sick before they pass. Um, but they have always, I feel like they tell me when they're ready to go. Yes, yes, yes. Out of, yes. Out of all that, we'd have only had two euthanized five dogs. The others, they, they don't want to eat anymore, so I don't force them to eat. They don't want to drink. They like to sleep. And most of them, I was counting up the other day, most of them have died in my arms when they were ready on their terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do feel like, you know, you have this close bond with your dog. They'll tell you when they don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yes. It's never easy. Never easy. Yeah. No. 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 But you, there's a way that you know. Um, yes, Kate, Kate, I see your hand up. Please ask your question. My 11-year-old dog, it, it will not let us Cut her toenails. Any suggestions? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> we, there are some of my dogs that are very easy to trim their nails. We had a pug a couple of years ago during a trip to the vet. It took three vet techs uh, to trim one nail. Uh, yeah. I could do one call at a time when he was a very sound sleeper and I could 
trim one paw at a time. Now, we have another dog now. We've only had him for a year, another pug. Don't clean my ears. Don't clean my mouth. Don't brush me. Don't trim my nails. Don't put butter on my nose. And it was just, oh. Now, for those of you that are in Louisville, Feeder Supply has this nail trim clinic. And out of desperation, we went there a week ago. For $10, there were two young folks who trimmed his nails perfectly. He didn't utter a sound. And uh, $10 was amazing. And I even warned him about that. I guess that maybe it's the approach you take. I don't um, but have they ever done it at the vet? Yes, we've. Uh, uh, she's been with me for over nine years, and uh, at the vet is the only time she gets her nails clean. That's uh, clipped at once a year, and I, I actually don't know how they do it. <laughs> they sit on her and just do it. <laughs> but um, it, she, with her back end issues, she's got skip sliding all over the place. And I agree with you. I think with the shorter nails, we would she'd have more traction. Mm-hmm. Barry, you you had some good things happen when you did that, didn't you? Uh, yes. Um, one of I've I've had um, two dogs who have really really had problems with nails, and my my current dog, I mean, just went hysterical, and yes. it it turned out that. I, I I go to the vet, and if I leave the room, and this is counterintuitive, but if I and I don't ever like to leave my dog in a room with vets, yeah. and I'm not there. But if I leave right. the room and let them be with her, they're very calm. They pet her, they play with her, they give her lots of treats, and all of a sudden they can pick up a foot and start clipping, um, mm-hmm. and she's okay at that point. So. Um, Another thing you can maybe try, and it will take some some work, and honestly, I haven't done this work with this dog, but if you get one of the, like, Dremel-type um, nail grinder, uh, right. and, and work on having it on, having it near her and treat, near her, click, treat, near her, click, treat, then turn it on pretty far away from her, click, treat, gradually move it toward her with it on, click, treat, yeah, and then move up to touching the nail with it, you know, as she gets okay with the steps, touch the nail with it off, touch a bunch, click, treat, click, treat, touch all nails with it off, and then briefly touch nail with it on, click, treat, on, click, treat, you know, if you're getting, if you don't get the behavior you want, go back down a level. And I, it's a lot of work. And I, I will tell you the truth. I started it and was seeing, we, we got to where she didn't have a problem if I had it close to her body on. Um, and I just said, you know, it's just, I can take her to the vet and let them do it. So, <laughs> I don't know a couple people that do the dremels. I don't know that they were that comprehensive in the training process. <laughs> but, <No>. um, <laughs> you know, before I got into dogs, um, I, I was rehab services director at a long-term care facility. I'm a physical therapist, although I don't practice anymore. But we had, working with elderly patients, 
we had a, 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 a mantra that we went by, and it was, if it works, do it. So there you go. I have a question about nails. This is Deb. Um, yeah. Miso's nails tend to crack, and they'll split, like a, uh -huh. on the bottom side and, and actually peel off. Oh, you know, I asked them, well, and they didn't seem very concerned about it. They're like, oh, it happens. Well, it does happen. I've seen that before. Um, you know what, what I would do? I mean, does it seem to be painful for him? Sometimes he seems to mind it if you touch it, yeah. I would take um, something that, I'll tell you something that's really good, uh, Burt's Bees. Uh, baby butt cream. It's like for diaper rash. But something that's got very emollient and just gently massage that into his nails. Give it some moisture. Okay. And anything, you know, probably Vaseline would work. I know I've just had real good luck. I tried the baby butt cream out of desperation once and um, it just is very nice. <laughs> I go wow. with so. Yeah, but anything with the volume, just gently rub it in there. I think that'll help some. Sarah, thank you. I wish we had more time. Sarah, I really, we all really appreciate this presentation, and we will make it available. It will be edited and then in our Sound Prince magazine, um, which is on the KCB website, and eventually it will be under the GDUKI page of, of that website. I want to thank everybody who has come. No, I'll tell you all goodbye. Thank you. I enjoy our time together. And I look thank forward you. to the next one. Thank you thank so you. much. Bye-bye. Page three. The fourth week of each month, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind features page turners at its roundabout activity. Page Turners is sponsored by the Tri-State Library Users, the Kentucky Chapter of the Library Users of America, and Tri-State is also a chapter of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. This month, on August 27, we had a little extra time at the end of Page Turners. We had shared a lot of good books, talked about some interesting authors, and we took a few extra minutes to share some facts from the website booksonthewall.com. The page is entitled 150 Interesting Facts About Our Favorite Authors. Now, we didn't talk about all 150 facts, but we did share quite a few, and we thought you might be interested in hearing them as well. Alice in Wonderland author Lewis Carroll was terrible at finances. Although he paid his debts on time, he would often overdraft upwards of 7,500 pounds. This is all the more ironic considering Carroll was a mathematics scholar at Oxford. Mary Shelley started writing Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus, when she was 18 years old. It was published only two years later. Victor Hugo's Les Miserables wasn't only popular with 19th century Parisians. This massive novel was one of the most widely read books among American soldiers in the Civil War. Mark Twain was the next-door neighbor of Harriet Beecher Stowe in Hartford, Connecticut. 
George Eliot was actually a woman. Marianne Evans wrote under this pen name because women authors were not as highly regarded as men. As George Eliot, Evans wrote several novels considered among the best of all time. Before he made it as a writer, Salman Rushdie wrote copy for Ogilvy and Mather. He came up with several famous campaigns, including Naughty But Nice and Irresistible. Virginia Woolf, author of To the Lighthouse, Mrs. Dalloway, and A Room of One's Own, was related by marriage to William Makepeace Thackeray, author of Vanity Fair. William's daughter, Marie, was the first wife of Virginia's father. Cormac McCarthy wrote with the same typewriter for more than 50 years. When it broke, he auctioned it off to raise proceeds for the Santa Fe Institute. It sold for over $250,000 in 2009. Lord of the Rings author J.R.R. Tolkien worked as both a scholar of languages and on the Oxford English Dictionary before writing his best-selling novels. He researched and explained the etymology of words, starting with W. Known words of his include woggle and walrus. For a man of erudition, it's somewhat odd that he consistently told reporters cellar door, C-E-L-L-A-R door, was the most beautiful phrase in the English language. Who knows? Perhaps it takes a Ph.D. in Old Norse to understand. William Shakespeare's legacy survives not only in his many plays, but also in his contributions to the English language. Did you know these phrases originally came from Shakespeare? Dead as a doornail, fair play, all of a sudden, in a pickle, night owl, wear your heart on your sleeve, star-crossed lovers, off with his head, green-eyed monster. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the inventor of the Sherlock Holmes series, had a very public friendship with master illusionist Harry Houdini. However, once Houdini heard that Doyle believed in spiritualism and thought Houdini had real magical powers, the friendship swiftly ended. American author William Faulkner wrote the outline to one of his novels on the walls of his writing office in Oxford, Mississippi. Visitors to Faulkner's Rowan Oak can still see the author's handwritten notes for his Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, A Fable, on these walls. Nathaniel Hawthorne, author of The Scarlet Letter, helped start a transcendental commune near Boston in 1841. However, Hawthorne left this commune a few months later after he found it difficult to write with all of the blisters he got from cutting straw and shoveling manure. His lesser-known novel, The Blitherdale Romance, recounts this experience. 
Robinson Crusoe author Daniel Defoe tried his hand at many unsuccessful business ventures before he became a well-known pamphleteer and novelist. One of the weirdest things he ever tried was to sell his perfume made from the secretions of cat's butts. Boris Pasternak, the Russian writer behind Dr. Zhivago, was the first author in history to refuse the Nobel Prize for Literature. A few months after Pasternak was awarded the prize in 1958, he formally refused the award, fearing that it would cause the Soviet government to arrest him or his family. It wasn't until 1989 that Pasternak's son collected the award in Sweden for his father. When Victor Hugo was running behind on his deadline for the Hunchback of Notre Dame, he locked himself in his room with nothing but a shawl, a paper, and a pen. He did this so he wouldn't get distracted from finishing his work, despite the fact that it was freezing outside his home. Emily Dickinson was one of the most reclusive poets in American literary history. From the 1850s till her death, Dickinson mainly stayed within her Amherst family home and only went outside to tend to the garden. She didn't even leave her upstairs bedroom to attend her father's funeral downstairs. 19th century French short story writer Guy de Maupassant was one of many Parisian intellectuals who hated the Eiffel Tower. Maupassant often ate lunch inside the tower's restaurant just to avoid seeing the Eiffel Tower's profile. Truman Capote, author of In Cold Blood, only wrote while reclining on a sofa. He wrote in pencil with one hand and used his hand to smoke a cigarette, sip a cup of coffee, or pour a sherry. Victorian writer Thomas Carlyle lent his first draft of the French Revolution to friend and fellow philosopher John Stuart Mill in 1835. When Carlyle returned to pick up his manuscript in London, Mill told Carlyle the document accidentally burned. Amazingly, Carlyle wrote the entire 800-page text again and published it to great acclaim in 1837. Before Louisa May Alcott wrote Little Women, she worked as a Civil War nurse in Washington, D.C. Alcott recorded her experiences tending to soldiers in her first best-selling work, Hospital Sketches, 1863. Unfortunately, Alcott contracted typhoid and was treated with mercury afterwards, which led to Alcott's untimely death in 1888. Although English poet John Donne was the great-nephew of Catholic martyr Sir Thomas More, he became one of London's most famous and feared Protestant ministers. Before he died in 1631, John Donne commissioned a statue of himself and had it placed in St. Paul's Cathedral. 
This John Dunn bust is the only original statue in St. Paul's that survived the Great Fire of London in 1666. Authors Virginia Woolf and Edith Wharton both hated James Joyce's Ulysses with a passion. After reading the work for the first time, Wolf said, I don't believe that Joyce's method means much more than cutting out the explanations of putting in thoughts between dashes. Wharton was even harsher in her denunciation of Joyce's novel, calling it a turgid welter of pornography. Famous Scottish novelist Sir Walter Scott wrote most of his epic poem, Marmion, while on horseback. Scott was a member of the Light Horse Volunteers, which were preparing for a possible French invasion of the British Isles. Most likely, Scott drew inspiration from the horsemen he saw around him in Marmion's description of the 1513 Battle of Flodden. Arnold Bennett, the author of The Old Wives' Tale and Clayhanger, has an omelet named after him. The omelet, which consists of cream, Parmesan cheese, and smoked haddock, was invented at London's Savoy Hotel, where Bennett often stayed. You can still order an omelet Arnold Bennett at the Savoy Hotel today. When one Booker Prize judge finished Canadian author Margaret Atwood's The Year of the Flood, he hurled the novel across the room in a rage. Eyewitnesses say he threw the book so hard that it actually dented a wall. But don't feel too bad for Atwood. She had already won the 2000 Booker Prize for her novel, The Blind Assassin. When asked where she came up with the plots for her famous murder mysteries, Agatha Christie said she liked to think out her stories while eating apples and relaxing in a warm bath. As of today, Christie remains the best-selling murder mystery novelist of all time, so her method obviously worked. 18th century poet Alexander Pope has the most popular poetic quote according to Google Analytics. The award-winning quote, which has over 14.8 million hits on Google, comes from Pope's An Essay on Criticism. To err is human, to forgive divine. Rounding out the top three are William Ernest Henley's I Am the Master of My Fate and William Wordsworth's The Child is Father of the Man. Edgar Rice Burroughs, author of Tarzan, worked as a pencil sharpener salesman before he tried his hand at fiction. Indeed, Burroughs only started writing at the age of 36 to support his wife and two children. DC Comics didn't invent the nickname Gotham City. Believe it or not, Rip Van Winkle, author Washington Irving, 
first used this term to describe New York in an 1807 periodical. Irving apparently stole the nickname from a village in Nottinghamshire, England. The city Pippa Passes in eastern Kentucky was named after Victorian poet Robert Browning's verse drama of the same name. Locals decided to change the city's name from Kearney to Pippa Passes after they received financial assistance from the Browning Society in the 1920s. Charles Perrault, the French author behind classic fairy tales like Cinderella, persuaded King Louis XIV to build 39 fountains in the gardens of Versailles as a tribute to Aesop's fables. It took workers only five years, 1672 to 1677, to complete this remarkable feat of engineering. Besides Cinderella, Perrault is responsible for tales like Bluebeard, Little Red Riding Hood, and Sleeping Beauty. We hope you've enjoyed these facts, and please join us for our next Page Turners in September. Watch for the announcements on the Kentucky Council of the Blind email list, on ACB Conversation, the LUA members list, and other email lists for more information about Tri-State Library users or the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind, give us a call at 502-895-4598. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody. Well, I'm dancing up, yeah.